Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. Who doesn't like an adventure? I mean, think about it. Who doesn't love a good adventure? One that's full of surprises and suspense. One that brings you places that you never thought you would go and challenges you to heights that you never thought uh, you'd be challenged to. One that brings you great fulfillment. Is that not the Christian life? Is it not an adventure? Walking with the Lord is absolutely an adventure. That's what I want to talk to you about today. The journey uh, of a Christian as we walk with the Lord, as we have sweet times, as we have bitter times, and as we have sweet times again. With any good adventure, you have ups and downs, peaks and valleys. This journey, the ups and the downs, they're intentional, designed by our sovereign God for our own good. A great example of this is found in Exodus. If you have your Bible, Go to Exodus chapter 15, verse 25. Exodus 15, verse 25. And he, Moses, cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. There he proved them. What's happening here? Well, if you're not familiar with this verse, if you're not familiar with the 15th chapter of Exodus or this area uh, in the book of Exodus, let's take a look. It starts in the previous chapter. The Israelites, they're held captive uh, in Egypt. They're bondsmen. Their uh, work is becoming harder and harder. And God calls Moses to take them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And God tells Moses, hey, let them know that I hear their cry. God hears his people's cry. Amen. That's always a blessing to know that the Lord hears our cry. And after many grueling plagues, Pharaoh finally agrees to let the Israelites go out of Egypt. So the Israelites, they're captive in Egypt. They're under Pharaoh's control. Uh, I got to imagine uh, all these Israelites working hard as slaves uh, probably benefited Pharaoh a lot and uh, didn't want them to go. And he had, uh, God kept hardening his heart. He kept sending these plagues. And goodness gracious, the plagues, if you read about them, they are outrageous. You've got frogs, and you've got uh, locusts, and, and you've got lice, and all kinds of things. Oh, my goodness. And, and so what happens here? After many grueling fl- uh, plagues, Pharaoh finally lets them go. But he's not in the right spirit when he lets them go. And when he realizes what has happened, he realizes he gets word the Israelites are over there in the mountains somewhere in the thickets stuck in a rut. He goes, I'm going to go after him. He's angry and he pursues them. He's got a deceitful heart. And God delivers the Israelites by splitting the Red Sea, delivers the Israelites. They walk across on dry land miraculously, and he conquers the Egyptians in the process. And so this is a great moment, a wonderful moment, and a song is sung to God for his great victory, and that's called the Song of Moses, and you can find it in Exodus 15, 1 uh, through 21. And yet three days later, the Israelites hit some bitter water. So they had a big victory, uh, then they hit bitter water, uh, and we see that starting in uh, Exodus 15, 22. 
And, and as our text verse shows, Moses then cries to the Lord and the people are delivered from the bitter water to clean tasting water. And this happens at Mara. So do we see a pattern here? You have sweet, then you have bitter, then you have sweet. And that's what I want to talk about today. Firstly, the joy in celebrating a God-given victory. Look, if you haven't dug into Exodus, if you haven't studied the story of the Israelites being delivered out of Pharaoh's hands, as a matter of fact, if you haven't studied, just generally speaking, what Pharaoh was doing to them and gosh, how bad it was and how unqualified Moses felt and how God had done all these miraculous things to get them out of there. Uh, You have to go back and look through it. It's a wonderful uh, scripture to see God deliver his people and to see so much familiarity. Uh, You know, this is written so long ago, and it's a true historical story here. And yet uh, there's so much that relates to us today. And so what do we see here? Uh, Exodus uh, 15, 1 through 21. If you don't mind, I'm just going to read it. Amen. There's so much power in God's word. I'm just going to read this here. I'm going to read Exodus 15, 1 through 21, uh, and then maybe a little bit further. And then we're just going to pick up on what we can pick up on, what we can learn about the, the sweet and bitter times with the Lord and how it's all for our good. Amen. So Exodus 15, verse 1, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Verse 3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Verse 4, Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank unto the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of, their no- of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together, and the floods stood upright, and a- as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, and the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestinia. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in. In the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. 
established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. So that's uh, Moses' song. That's Exodus 15, 1 through 21. And let's just stop here for a minute and look at what we can pick up on, what themes we can see. First of all, God gets the credit. So here is this song. They're praising God for delivering them from the Egyptians, from their captivity. And here we see right away in verse 1 that God gets the credit, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. He hath triumphed. And that God destroyed the enemy. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. So we see that God gets the credit. We see that God destroyed the enemy. Uh, And then we see that God is the source of personal strength. Verse 2 in uh, Exodus 15, the Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. So we see that God is the strength. And then we see salvation comes from who? From God. We see that again in verse 2. So beautiful. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. It's only by God that we get saved. Look, we can sow the seed, we can spread the word, we spread the gospel as we should, but at the end of the day, it is God that finds us, it is God that has predestined us, it's God that knows us, it's God that softens our heart, it's that Holy Spirit working to convict us, and God does the saving, amen? He gets all the credit. Uh, And then in verse 3, we see that God is a man of war, nothing is too hard for him. Verse 3 of Exodus 15, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Our God is a mighty man of war. Nothing's too hard for him. He's not intimidated by any king. He's no respecter of persons. Amen. God uses his own natural elements as part of his rule and reign. We see that in verse 4 and 5. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts have he cast in the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the sea. We see again the sea, uh, that God is using what he's created to destroy these evil people trying to hurt his people. Amen. We see in verse 6 that God is in full control. We see the right hand. And if you study the right hand in scripture, it means power. It means authority. It means the proper direction. Uh, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father now that he's ascended up into heaven. Amen. The right hand is very important. There's scripture about how we will take God, uh, take him by our right hand or we'll take his right hand. And so he has all power there. We see he is responsible for his people. Uh, That's verse seven. And we see that man's ways are always defeated by a holy and sovereign God. We see that in verses nine and 10. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake. You see, uh, interesting in verse 9 and 10, you could do a whole message on this in Exodus 15, 9 and 10, the amount of eyes, I'll pursue, I'll overtake, I'll divide, I'll, I, I, I. Look, when it's all about man, it's nothing to God. It's, it's an offense to God. It's nothing good to God. Amen. When it's I, 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 it should never be like that. Uh, because as uh, John 3.30 tells us, he must increase, but we must decrease. I must decrease. So it is uh, never about I. And that's what they were saying is, you know, their, their lust was to do all these things. And God said, forget it and drowned them out. Amen. So when we look at this, the significance we see in Exodus 15, do we stop to savor the victory when we're delivered by God? Do we give him the glory? We may not be running from an Egyptian king that enslaved us 400 years ago. 
or for, excuse me, that enslaved us for 400 years, but many feel like they're at a dead end with no way out. And yet God still gives them the victory. Can you remember such a time? There's been several times in my life that I never thought I'd get through it. And God delivered me through them all. And, and I, I just give this example as a testimony to the Lord's greatness in my life. And uh, maybe you can relate to it as a teenager. I bro, uh, grew up in a broken household. There was a lot of strife in the household. There was a lot of uh, bad things happening. And I remember thinking I'll, as a teenager, I'll never make it to my 20s. And then I made it to my 20s. I said, it must have been by the glory of God. And then as a 20-something, I was getting into all kinds of trouble. I was chasing after the things of the world. And guess what? I was empty-handed, 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 uh, broken-hearted, broken-hearted, brokenhearted. You know the story. Amen. I was afar off from God. And guess what? He delivered me out of that time. Even in my thirties, as I was close to God and as I was seeking his will and his way. And then I thought, Hey, I'm going to get my crown of righteousness. Whoa, no, that's in heaven. Amen. Here on earth. What I got was, uh, asthma and allergies and all kinds of, I had untreated asthma. I could barely breathe. Amen. I was, I didn't know what was happening. It was like my body was just almost rejecting me. I couldn't describe it. Uh, but I really was struggling a lot with that, uh, especially in my early to mid thirties. And God amazingly delivered me from that and helped me get on, uh, gave me some good doctors and gave them wisdom and helped me get on the right kind of medication. Amen. And I'm doing much better today. Uh, not perfect, but doing much better today because of God delivering me. There's so much, even this past year. Oh my goodness. I'm just thankful to be here. Maybe you are too. Look, maybe you can't relate to some of these things I've said. Maybe you can, but if you can't, Think of it, what God might have delivered you from in the past. Maybe it's danger. Maybe it was threats of danger. Maybe God's delivered you from illness. Maybe from crime, either crime being committed to you or you being involved in it. He's delivered you from that. Poverty, maybe he's delivered you from that. Homelessness, abuse, maybe he's delivered you from false gods or uh, pagan religions. Maybe he's delivered you from the world's sinful system, from idols, from materialism, uh, from covetousness. Maybe he's delivered you from the bondage of sin. If you've been saved and you've been delivered from that, amen, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can we just stop a minute and thank him in prayer? He is so worthy to be praised. I really mean that. Dear Lord, we're going to stop here in the middle of this message and just say thank you. Thank you for delivering us, Lord. Thank you for helping us, Lord. Thank you for being so good to us, Lord. Oh, Lord, you are so good to us. We don't deserve it. We should be like the Israelites being delivered out of the Red Sea. We should be singing you a song of praise. Amen. We should be getting together and just a singing and a shouting and praising you for all you've done. And we shouldn't be groping around and feeling sorry for ourselves and taking pity and all these other things and looking around and being worried. We should just give all, your bur all our burdens to you and continue to give you praise and everything. Can we do that here today, Lord? You are so good. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I just had to say a little prayer there. I hope you prayed it with me. He is worthy to be praised, amen. He is so worthy. And the reason why he is worthy to be praised is because it is through his supernatural strength, only by his supernatural strength, that he is able to take people like us, okay, that are fallen, broken, sinful creatures and make us into new creatures, to give us a renewed mind through the reading of his word, to give us a, a new heart, to give us a new life, a new passion. It's only by God's grace that he does that. 
But here's what else he does. I don't know if you picked this up on our text verse here, but Exodus 15, 25, it says, and he, this is Moses, cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. So the water had been bitter there in Mara, and then they were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. So God doesn't just deliver us with us doing nothing. He also proves us. You're listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's Word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them. Trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of Himself. Now here's Pastor Clark with the rest of today's message. Let's take a look at this here in Exodus 15, just picking up where I left off here. Exodus 15 uh, verses 22 through 27. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he, this Moses, cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were 12 wells of water and three score and 10 palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. That's uh, Exodus 15. That's wrapping up. We just did all of Exodus 15 here. Amen on the radio. That's great. But as you see, uh, they had the sweetness, goodness. And if you look at just visually in Exodus 15, the majority of the chapters, that sweetness. I love the part there, Miriam, uh, Moses' brother Aaron's sister, I believe it was, uh, grabs the, uh, the instrument and is dancing and singing. You just kind of see this and visualize it's great. And then three days later, what happens? Oh, they hit that bitter water, don't they? Three days later, they hit that bitter water in Mara. And uh, that's life, isn't it? You know, we see one of the marks of Christian life is the constant arrival of struggles following godly successes. Mark it down. When God blesses, the devil's going to fight. When you live for God, you are against a world system run by the devil and his fallen angels. And that world system will put you on the chopping block. Why would God allow this? It is a test of faith. Do we just love him in the good times? Or are we faithful to trust him in the struggles? Do we follow his commandments? Or do we just wait for him to bless and live like sinners? This is where God proves us. Remember, all the followers of Jesus, they were there for the miracles, but departed when Jesus told them to take up their cross and to die to self. You'll find that in John chapter 6, verses six or verse 66, John 6, 6, 6. Or to let the dead bury the dead and not to turn from the plow to be fit to follow him. You find those in Luke 9. You know, you find some very sobering verses that when people uh, in John uh, 6, uh, verse 66, when people realized they were not uh, going to get an easy go here with the Lord and they'd have to do something, they'd actually have to make him really the Lord of their life and follow him, they, they left. Uh, John 6 
26 through 27, a little bit earlier uh, in, in the book of John, Jesus calls us to a life of selflessness versus the world, which calls people to a life of selfishness. You see the difference, how de- the devil perverts things? Let's look at John 6, 26 through 27. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Amen. And then Matthew 16, 24 to 25, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So God allows trials to come in our way to see if we will turn to him, if we are exhibiting godly character. Or we are just loving him for blessings and not willing to endure what he has endured for us. The cross on Mount Calvary, pure uh, selflessness and love like no other. You see the idea here that God uh, is trying us, is proving us, and that God clearly wants to see who truly has made Jesus Lord, who really is saved. Amen. You know, the idea I saw in a a documentary the other night about being an overcomer, overcoming uh, all the sins in our lives and temptations and truly picking up our cross and dying to self and living for him. Is that not the measuring stick that God uses for his people? Amen. And so he's seeing, he's showing them the bitter water there three days later saying, okay, you know, yes, you were delivered miraculously uh, from, from the Egyptians, from enslavement. You celebrated, you praised me. Well, now where are you at? Now, where's your head at? Are you praising me? now or are you not? You know, that's why many are called, but few are chosen. That's why the narrow path is so sparse with travelers. That's why many simply won't do it. They won't choose to accept the call to live godly and in faith when times are tough. Think about it. You know, I I had to count the cost when I was younger and I, I had trouble even fathoming it, you know, really even understanding it saying, Lord, really, is this what you're calling me to do? You want me to be sober? You want me to be clean? You don't want me to use bad language? You want me uh, to love my enemies, Lord? You want me to not seek material things? You want me to stay away from the unclean thing? I was like, is that possible? What kind of life would that be? And, you know, it took me a while of uh, spiritual maturity to realize God's saying, yes, that's what I want you to do. And I'm dead serious. And I'm, I'm a holy God, 100% holy. I can't stand the unholy thing. Amen. So you need to accept Jesus as Savior. And then you need to make him Lord, read his commandments, understand his commandments, and follow his commandments. That's why we see in Exodus 15, uh, verse 26, when uh, and, and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and his statutes. That's what they're saying. That's how God's proving uh, 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 people is, as they, I said they're saying, but that's what's in the book of Exodus, and that's how God is proving his people. And no, we don't live uh, by works. Uh, no, we don't have a works-based salvation. We are saved by Jesus Christ, uh, the blood on the cross. That's it. Um, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. That said, when we're saved and we make him Lord, we are to live for him and we are to show him we love him. And there's a lot of scripture on that. And, uh, you know, there's a scripture on, on Jesus mentioning, you know, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. Amen. And so we're supposed to do that. And that's kind of what God's underscoring here in Exodus uh, 15 
with Moses and the Israelites and the water at Marah. And then you see after that, they come to where? They come to Elam. So God provides a blessing. He gives them sweet water um, even more. He gives them an oasis there with palm trees and plenty of water. And you see how quickly the fortunes change. First, the water was made clean where they were at. Uh, then Moses, uh, he, he, his faith is rewarded, and uh, they they pass on uh, to this great place in Elam, and it shows God's incredible power to resolve any situation at any time of his choosing. It shows a reversal of fortunes for the Israelites. And uh, I have to believe this led to some repenting among some Israelites that had been murmuring because they, they're you know, delivered from Pharaoh, and then immediately their unbelief sinks in three days later, and the water is bitter, and then they're delivered from that, and they have clean water, and then God's like, just in case, I'm going to deliver you to an even better place, and they realize that God has this power, they must have been repenting. You know, where do we see this in the New Testament? I believe you see it in Matthew 8, verse 26, and he saith unto them, why are ye so, uh, why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So you see, you know, what's happening here, Jesus with the, uh, with the disciples and the water is casting over the boat, the wind's moving around and they're getting worried. They have great unbelief, even though they've seen all the miracles that Jesus has done, they've witnessed it firsthand and they're of unbelief. And that's why he says, why are you feel fearful? O ye of little faith. And after he rebuked the winds, clearly the disciples in that boat must've been repenting to God saying, forgive me for my unbelief. The same way that the Israelites here in, uh, after Mara in, in Elam were probably repenting to God saying, forgive me. And God's showing us something here. The principle that when God blesses, there's abundance. Amen. There was abundance in Elam. Uh, there's abundance with the fishes and the loaves. That's Matthew uh, 14, uh, 14 uh, verse 14 through 21, feeding the 5,000. There's a uh, abundance. When you look at uh, our God as a, the one that has a cattle on a thousand hills, Psalm 50, 10. Or you can even look at Job with ending up with twice as much as he had before, and that's Job 42.10. So we should give God glory in all times. In times of joy, we should. How? By stopping and thinking about it and vocalizing it to him in prayer and uh, in our conversation, our testimony. We should do that. But we should also trust God in times of trials. How? By having faith, trusting him. Real trust is putting our faith in his hands through faith. This idea that we're not just saying we trust God intellectually, or we're saying, oh, we've applied it to our heart, or we really trust God, but trusting God to the point of saying, here you go, God, I trust you. I'll wait for you to deliver me. I'm not going to get ahead of you. I'm not going to hedge my bets. I'm not going to do something extra. I'm not going to do something you don't want me to do. I'm not going to go back to the world. I'm going to believe you will bless. And that's when we see him do such great things, isn't it? And we can and should trust him and give him glory in times of deliverance by firstly recognizing these times and then taking the time to glorify God in our hearts and our minds, souls, with prayers of thanksgiving, and also vocalizing it, testifying to others of his great work in our life. I believe that's so important. You know, we're here to glorify God. God delivers us from an amazing situation. What do we do? Just bury it somewhere and don't tell anybody? What do we do? Just thank him in private? God forbid, we should give him the glory. We should never be ashamed of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We should never be ashamed of the great stuff he's doing in our life, amen? We should never be ashamed to, to stand up for Jesus Christ and say, he has blessed me yesterday, today, and tomorrow, no matter what, um, 
It's a blessing to serve the Lord. It's a blessing for what he's done. I can see his hand here, here, and here. That testimony is powerful, and that could very well lead someone, soften their heart, lead them into the church house, lead them to the Lord, lead them to salvation, amen. Give them that belief. So where did the Israelites end up? They ended up in an oasis, a place of great resources, and they were also free. They were no longer in bonds. So we've got some closing applications here. When we trust God in all times, we're brought to a place of freedom from the bondage of sin on earth, freedom from the devil, and freedom from the second death. That's hell. And we have abundance. We trust the Lord. Godly joy and peace and wisdom that only he can provide. Look, I would, I, I mean this. I would rather have godly peace than really almost anything else. Because when you have godly peace, you have that closeness with Jesus it's priceless. You can't put a price on it. The world may not understand it, amen, but but God knows. And you know if you're a Christian, you're close to the Lord, you know the peace I'm talking about. It's priceless. And you have security. What happened to those that enslaved the Israelites? They were utterly destroyed. We are secure with God now and forevermore. He is our refuge. He is our defender, amen. We are secure in him. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. Keep God first and foremost in your life. Trust him and he will deliver you as he delivered the Israelites. He will deliver you. Keep trusting him. Keep your faith and keep serving him with your whole heart. Pastor Clark here. Thank you so much for listening today to this radio broadcast. I just would like to remind you that if you like what you heard and you want to listen to more, visit kjvcafe.com. That's kjvcafe.com. We've got great uh, messages on there. We've got uh, YouTube videos on there. We've got audio recordings on there. And there's uh, links to our social media. You can even send me an email if you want to. Uh, but just check it out if you have time, kjvcafe.com. Thanks for visiting the cafe today. Our goal is to inspire you with the truth and depth of God's Word in a straightforward manner. Do you know Jesus? You can today. Visit kjvcafe.com to learn more about God's great plan of salvation for all of mankind. Until next time, remember, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 puts it, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness.